Thank you. Um, well, let's, uh, I mean, yeah, that's true. It's very difficult to, to uh, figure uh, this out, especially that uh, it looks like things might change uh, more than, for instance, they have in the past six years ending with uh, December or almost six years. Things might actually take a different turn, especially mm. with what the United States is doing. But, yeah. uh, you know, apart from trying to, to guess the future, um, I'd like to go back to the past uh, a little bit and ask you um, uh, questions that uh, students of Syria would like to hear your uh, take on. Uh, mm. How do I know this? Uh, uh, I think, you know, I think it's uh, it's something that we can reflect on right now and, and, and people might be, um, you know, a, a bit more, uh, quote unquote, free uh, mm. to think about this, even, even though the, the killing has not stopped and the fighting has not stopped and the crisis has not stopped and the refugees have not stopped, uh, mm. you know, for some reason, the media gives the impression that things are, are have stopped in Syria or have actually slowed down significantly as if only yeah. the big news uh, is worth uh, you know uh, relaying so the yeah. question the question is uh, uh, i've i've been following you over the years uh, as you wrote about uh, various rebel groups and how uh, they come together or break apart, form coalitions, and then disintegrate or, um, mm. you know, uh, kind of disband. And my question to you is, um, you know, wh what do you think uh, explains this kind of coming together and breaking uh, apart of, of these uh, formations uh, over the years? Are, are there some particular factors that that you've noticed over time that sort of explain these uh, these patterns or or is it mostly a function of what happens on the battlefield uh in terms of you know the the fortunes of of some of these groups in in, in being able to push ahead or otherwise and then of course some say it's it's about economics and funding as much mm -hmm. as it is about you know messaging and and ideology um, mm -hmm. so is 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 there a way like looking back that that we could begin at least to look at the factors that uh, explain uh, the, some of these patterns? Well, yeah, I, I, that's a really interesting question, actually, and, I, and one I've thought a lot about um, without necessarily reaching all the answers. But, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think the, the Syrian war has shown, um, I mean, I think you can draw some important lessons about uh, factionalized insurgencies or, or multi-sided wars and, and factionalized wars in, in general from, from Syria, because it's been such an extreme example of that. And I mean, if you look at which groups have been successful in Syria, because in the, at the height point of the war, according to the Defense Intelligence Agency, actually, they said in 2013 that there was, I think the number was 1,200 to 1,500 armed factions in Syria. I think they referred to the opposition side only. And of course, many of these groups were small and just very localized, was, you know, someone and his cousins in a village. And many of them cooperated under some bigger umbrella and so on, but they were sort of distinct entities anyway. And that's a huge number of groups, of course. And in, a, in an environment of that kind, um, most of those groups obviously did not succeed. They were either destroyed or they sort of folded and, and went away. Or more commonly, I think they were absorbed into a bigger group. And, and then you have to look at which, which were the, the bigger groups that were successful. And I think, I mean, you can just look at Syria's 
what Syria looks like right now. Apart from the government areas, you have uh, the Islamic State, and you have the, uh, the Kurdish areas, which are run by, you know, they call themselves many different things, YPG and Tebdem and PYD and so on and so on. But it's really the PKK. Um, and then you have in the opposition areas, uh, of, you know, a mixture of different groups, really, but a few of them bigger than the others. And the most successful ones, I would say, uh, have been... Uh, Tahrir al-Sham, the former Nusra Front, basically Al-Qaeda, or, you know, now they say they're not connected to Al-Qaeda anymore, but, you know, they were formed out of Al-Qaeda. And then Ahrar al-Sham, which is sort of a national uh, group, still roots in Salafi jihadism, but but different in, in various ways, uh, more pragmatic, I would say. And then you have uh, a group that I've looked a lot at, actually in the eastern Ghouta region, which is sort of a contained battle space because it's under siege, so that you have this microcosm of groups there. Very interesting to see how they sort of related to each other uh, when they were cut off from the larger uh, insurgency. And the biggest group there was the, the Islam army, Jesh al-Islam, with Zahran al-Lush, which is also a Salafi group. And I think what these groups have in common, uh, all of them, a few different things. Uh, they have ideology in common, not the same ideology, but a very, you know, a, a, a driving, motivating ideology, definitely. You had most of them some sort of Salafi or Salafi jihadi approach, but in the case of the, the Kurdish groups, it was more, you know, the, the Afwist ideology, which is a leftist sort of Ojalan's uh, ideology, roots in Marxism, but, but considerably changed now. But still, uh, an ideology that's, that's really alive among the supporters. They they believe in this. And they're they're taught the doctrine and they believe in the doctrine and, and they are even willing to die for it. You know, they have suicide bombers and they're a secular group. That's pretty unusual. So that was important, I think. And then the other thing uh, would be that they were they've all been all of these groups have been very very goal oriented and very very ruthless in 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 certain ways. Um, and I mean against internal rivals, um, especially, of course, the Islamic State, which, you know, kills anyone that tries to oppose it. And when they had a small tribal uprising in eastern Syria, soon after they took that area in 2014, they basically wiped out a whole clans that had been linked to those who rose up against them just to sort of make their point. But also the Islam army in the Ruta region, uh, very harsh tactics against uh, dissidents in that area and other rebel factions. Um, and Tahrir al-Sham, we're seeing this now. Uh, Northwestern Syria has been a little bit different than the other areas, but Tahrir al-Sham are, you know, used very, very, they've, they've broken up several smaller uh, smaller factions. And Ahrar al-Sham has been, Ahrar al-Sham has probably been the most diplomatic of these and more often took over groups by persuasion and offering money and support and so on and protection. Um, not so much coercion, although that has happened as well, of course. Um, so, so they have that in common. And then I would say that for most of them, uh, it's actually the case that they came in with a ready-made hierarchy. They're very, um, in the case of, the Nusra Front, Tahrir al-Sham today, and the Islamic State, they came in through Iraq, 
and they had, you know, the, 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 the structure of the group was already finished. You know, they, they, they came in with a leader, they had a hierarchy, they had money, they had activists and everyone knew who's, you know, what the chain of command was. And then they split, and, but still, you know, they had the, the, the Salafi jihadi structure was there. And in the case of the, 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 the Kurdish groups, the same thing, you know, the PKK already existed as a functioning insurgent organization uh, in Iraq. They just rolled in across the border and, and applied that template to Syria. So, I mean, the Islam army, Harsham, a little bit different, but still they drew a lot of their inspiration from the Salafi jihadi groups that had fought in Iraq. And they took sort of the, the, the organizational model from there. And they had uh, both of them, especially I would say the Islam army had um, a core network to rely on from the start. And the Islam army, in that case, it was the, uh, the Salafi movement in Douma, which is uh, a city inside the Eastern Ghouta, which has a strong, you know, it had... Uh, a, a very lively Salafi movement before the war. So there was already you know, a network of mosques and students and, and, and clerics in that area that they could rely on when, they, when the war began. So in contrast to all the other groups, which, which, which basically rose from the bottom up, these groups came in with something they could apply top down. And they did so quite ruthlessly. And I think that that's, that's really a part of the explanation. And then, of course, you have the factors you mentioned, which is, you know, uh, sheer luck in many cases, but also foreign funding, for example. They all had funding sources uh, from abroad uh, that, that have been very important to them. And that's that's obvious. But they also it's also the case that they got the funding because they were already functioning organizations and had these networks abroad already. And they had already sort of and they proved that they could do something with the money and they could recruit and they could send people to the Gulf and so on. So, uh, so that, I mean, it's the, those things, uh, work together, I think. Um, but I mean, the, my understanding of this is, I mean, the Syrian war to me seems to demonstrate that, that an insurgency that is so factionalized and so divided, it won't just unify from the bottom up. Yeah. It, 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 it there will be coercion involved. You have to have a group that goes in and really forces people to fall in line or they won't, they will split and they will, you know, that's what happened to nearly all of the coalitions. The rebels have formed, I don't know how many different coalitions and Islamic councils and this and that, and they all fall apart because at some point someone gets, you know, uh, a judge rules against them and they just walk away and form a new council or split and say that, you know, expel the others. But the groups that didn't tolerate that, those were the groups that, that, that survived. The Islamic State didn't tolerate that. They just killed anyone who disagreed. And that works, you know. <laughs> I would love to say that that doesn't work. That's not the way you, you run an insurgency, but I think it is. And, and Syria has demonstrated that quite clearly, I think. Thanks, uh, Aaron. Yeah.